Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's time once again for Closing the Wealth Gap. The one show, maybe the only show that shows you how to close the wealth gap in your own life with the man who's done it for many, our wealth coach himself, Tyrone French. Hey, Tyrone. Hey, welcome to another episode of Closing the Wealth Gap. I'm your host, Tyrone French. I want to thank everybody for tuning in to this episode. And if you value this content, I want you to go to closingthewealthgap.net. I want you to hit that follow button. Also, go to tyronefrench.coach. Check out our Wealth Club. There's a lot of information on there that's absolutely free. Uh, if you want to contact me, again, the best way to get in touch with me is through, is through tyronefrench.coach. Uh, uh, you know, send, send us an email. We'd love to hear from you. And without further ado, I'm going to bring in my announcer and good friend, Mr. Paul Roberts. Hey, Paul, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. I don't want to date the show too much, but go blue. We beat Ohio State for the first time in 22 years, so I'm feeling good. I'm having. I'm drinking today here. We're drinking during the show here. <laughs> well, you know, um, hopefully, uh, you know, it's just orange say, juice. Uh, stuff. Every now and then, there's a miracle, but the way that game went off, <laughs> oh. I mean, I kept waiting for the collapse, and it never came. Yeah. I, I we're so used to as Michigan fans as Midwesterners, oh we're going to get disappointed yet again. Where where is the heartbreak? It looks good, but when are they going to choke? When are they going to fall apart? When's it all going to collapse? And it never did. It just got better and better and better. And and the stand, I think the stands, the, the fans in the stands were stunned. Right. We've never seen that kind of domination over our rival. I don't think in front. It took twenty two years to beat them at home at their home wow. stadium. Never, I don't think in a long, even longer than that, have we, has it been that lopsided. Which leads to today, today's conversation about another miracle, another seeming collapse that we're trying to wrap our heads around in your world, in the financial world. I want to talk about digital currency, this whole thing, FTX, this giant exchange. This guy went from being a billionaire to broke, like overnight. And this exchange that had billions and, I don't know, billions of dollars of people's cryptocurrency, Bitcoin and Ethereum and all these other, and stuff that even that they were generating uh, their own sort of digital currencies that you could use in the exchange. Did all of this get wiped out? Is it all you know, gone? The worst thing about being on that level is you don't get to broke. You go broke and beyond. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you have you have all these liabilities. I mean, your assets immediately turn into liabilities. And again, a lot of people yeah. put a lot of faith into digital currency. And people would ask me, you know, well, Tyrone, what do you think about digital currency? And it's like, well, you know, do you have do you have debt? I mean, do you have do you have debt that, that you've acquired uh, that you could get rid of? And it's like, well, I would do that before the digital currency because it, it's a fiat currency. And just my opinion. Uh, the minute Wall Street got involved, I could I could just see the writing on the wall. Yeah, that's what you said before the show. We have done so many shows on cryptocurrency. There are a variety of them. Bitcoin was the first one, and here's what I under, here's what I think I understand, and then you can correct me. So, along somebody came up with this idea of blockchain technology, an open ledger on the internet. There, the bank has a ledger. They know how much money they got, but they don't share it with the world. Nobody knows what – maybe they have to go to the feds once in a while and say, how much are you taking in, how much are you keeping in a reserve, and how much you're lending out, and how shaky are those investments, more so after the great 
recession happened and all these banks blew up and bad business practices and whatnot, they've paid more attention to it. But it's a closed ledger. The open ledger idea is anybody in the Internet, the transaction's there. You can't fake it. Uh, it there's, a, there's a complete chain of who buys and who sells and whatnot. And it seemed like Bitcoin wasn't really meant to be a speculative thing or a, or a, or a currency to re, a digital currency to replace paper currency. It almost seems but like it was an fallacy. experiment. That was the fallacy. That's what yeah. people believed. Right. They, they also believed that it couldn't be regulated. Yes, right. They also believed that it couldn't be hacked. Yes. Everything that they thought to be true turned out to be untrue. Right. And and it seemed like nobody's ever really taken credit for it. Some mysterious guy who never really came forward, supposedly came up with this thing and started mining these coins. And what made it so such a speculator's dream is they only – somehow they can only make so much of it. Unlike the government that keep, keep printing forever, there was a finite amount of money that they could make. And when they printed this many coins, it was done. And now you want it, it goes up in value because we're not making those anymore. Uh, and so it created this kind of speculative market. But it seemed like it was more of a test just to show what – what this open ledger system, we'll create this thing called a Bitcoin and we'll use it as a means of exchange just to show you what this open ledger idea works, which does have a lot of validity to it. I mean, all sorts of companies are moving in this direction of a, a ledger that everybody can access and see what's going on. Now, that being said, people started speculating as they do with all these crazy things. And it went from, I remember looking at it, it was $1,000, $2,000 to get a coin. And it went up to $60,000 a coin. Right. And people were li literally selling their houses. We had a guy in our studio, I'm going to say three, four, five years ago. He was the crypto king. He was all over at a book and everything. And he literally was telling people, sell your house and take all that money and put it into crypto. Because it had gone up from 1000 to whatever it was, 66 Thousand. Around sixty-six thousand. Yeah, it went up sixty-six thousand yeah. times in value. And one coin. And one coin, and and people were literally becoming billionaires, like this kid, who came out of some big financial institution, dressed like all these tech entrepreneurs in shirts and flip-flops and whatnot, wild hair, and he came up with a, a marketplace, an exchange, because it was very hard to buy a coin from somebody. And if you did, you literally had to put it the, – the coin only exists as a piece of code. And if you lost that little code, you lost the coin. If you lost your password, you couldn't even access it. Exactly. So this, you had to put it on a little thumb drive somehow, and then you would literally lock it in a safe or put it in a safety deposit box, and there were crazy – yeah, Or you had a wallet, a digital wallet. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it did, hey, Paul, you know, so many different variables, so many different – uh, scenarios with that, but the bottom line was that it did exactly what Warren Buffett said it would do. Yeah, and Jamie Dimon from uh, was he with City? I forget who J Jamie Dimon's with. Is he with J.P. Morgan? One of those giant banks. They all said this is funny money. Don't don't play with it. Right, right. And so here we are today. And so now uh, it's the we're at the the advent of a central bank digital currency. That's, See, that's what, what everybody's gearing up for. That's what that's what I want to talk about here today. So did this explode the idea of digital currencies moving away from in a sense I kind of get digital currency. It ushered in an age for digital currency. Yes. And it, it ushered in an age for a secure 
digital, digital currency, currency. Is, which is an oxymoron. Yeah, right. Because it, it's still, if you have any digital currency and it's not backed by anything, it's still considered a fiat currency, which means it's not backed by anything other than the faith. And fiat being the old Latin word for just made up, made. Yes. You just made it's, it. Here it is. Right. Here's my so, currency. You want it? Yeah. So we're, we're at a stage right now. Uh, first of all, um, I want to go back. We, we did a show uh, that we, we were talking about savers are the biggest losers. <laughs> Boy, that got a lot of uh, woo, a lot of attention. A lot of attention and, on that one. And um, I got it. But I, I got to do a correction, a slight correction, because I gave an analogy based on the dollar. Uh, like, let's, let's say uh, uh, you bought a hamburger back in 1965. Right. And it was uh, like the third of a dollar. And... I, I said that basically, because back in the day, you had dollars were literally silver certificates. Matter of fact, I have a lot of uh, 1957 silver certificates. And right on that dollar, it, it says that you can exchange, meaning that you could go to um, any central bank uh, branch and take that piece of paper and trade it in, exchange it for silver. Hunk of silver. And at the time, a dollar was equivalent to an ounce of silver. Mm-hmm. Um, the correction I need to make is that I we had a guest on our show, um, Miles Standish, and he was Wonderful. the coin expert. Right. And he gave us these books. And so I'm going to go ahead and highlight his book again where it mm-hmm. talks about the American Silver Eagle. And because I had been reading that book, I in my head, I automatically said Silver Eagle. Well, the Silver Eagle wasn't produced until uh, 1986. And, you know, I'm, you don't have to take my word for it. You can go on the Internet and check it out. But there are actually, you know, books that you can read that are that are dated. And so you can literally see that that Silver Eagle, the first one was minted back in 1986. So back in 1965, they were still using Morgans and Peace Dollars. But again, it was still equivalent to um, one dollar. That so shows you how readers, carefully people pay attention to this show. Our here. readers are so savvy. They pointed it out. And it's like, <laughs> wow, I listened to it. It's like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, my mistake. So I came back and I wanted to say, yeah, I, I, instead of saying an ounce of silver, I it inadvertently said silver, uh, silver eagle. Right. So now that we got that done, what, what's going to what's getting ready to happen is the United States, in my opinion, we're getting ready. We're getting ready to go back onto the gold standard. You say that so casually. We went off the gold standard when I was a kid, when Nixon was president, and you say it's so they could run up debts and print more money, if I'm not mistaken. Well, again, there was a report by Alan Greenspan that basically spelled it out and said, hey, look, you know, the way that you confiscate wealth is by having people to hold on to their money because uh, to save is because it's being confiscated just by by the nature of holding on to it because of inflation. It's worth less and less and less because everything costs more and more and more. So the dollar doesn't buy what it used to buy year so after So what started year. happening is that we started printing a lot of dollars. And so because at the time, the United States was, was still is the world currency, but it was backed by gold. And so other countries were thinking, well, how they can't possibly have enough gold to back up all those to back bucks. all the, these dollars that's in circulation. So they started asking for their gold back. And so uh, back in 1948, we, uh, 46, we did the what was called the uh, uh, the Bretton Woods Agreement to where, right. it, you know, we became the world currency. And so when we started losing a lot of these, a lot of the gold, a lot of the silver, uh, 1971, Nixon put a stop to it. And we immediately went off the gold standard, and every currency at that time became a fiat currency. So what that meant was that the fetters were off. 
And so we started printing money, printing money. But again, in, in the and Reagan is that when the um, uh, because at, shortly after uh, Nixon came forward and then came Reagan and Reagan famously said deficits don't matter. We can, there's we can, a reason why he said that because he understood you had a you, I'm not going to get into the, uh, the you know the, all the technical aspects of it, but you had what was called a minority report and a majority report. Right. And all it was saying is that hey, look, in order for you to get back to any any stability as far as getting back onto the gold standard, um, you have to get to the point where people start losing faith in the currency. And so the only way that you can do that is through deficit spending and, monet and, and, and monetary devaluation. So to my surprise, uh, the person that headed up the, the minority report mm -hmm. uh, at the time was um, um, Ron Paul. He's been pushing this. Is he still alive, Ron Paul? Still alive, and but again, you, you're on it. You're on that track. What is he trying? What is he? What is he, Ron Paul, to advocate for? He has been pushing for this notion of going back in the gold standard, something called the Austrian School of Economics. I know that yes. libertarianism. All these yes. very uncertain. We sort of have a fuzzy feeling for what these things are, and they're not easily fit into left and right. Discussions. It's generally more of a conservative right-wing approach, but it's not. But what is this message? What is this core message? Start buying what? Gold. Gold. Yeah. And there's a reason for it is because he was the one that headed up the minority report that Ronald Reagan took the advice of. And again, they started at that point, they started running up huge deficits. And the way that you justify running up these deficits is through military spending yeah no, reagan was military who warned us about the military industrial complex the, was the first one the last general whoever was president dwight david eisenhower absolutely absolutely and so here we are now and so we we're at a point where the currency it costs um, it costs more money to print it than it's actually worth but we're still, <laughs> but we're still at this stage. You mean it where, to make one of those little pieces of paper costs more than what you can buy with it costs so much five, to make each little piece of paper each little five, coin. It, it costs more than it to produce it than it's worth. But let's just stop for one second. So, if I understand this correctly, prior to Nixon, and really prior to Reagan. We didn't run massive deficits in the country. We only did it in times of war, like World War II. We spent a bunch of money, and then we paid down that deficit, and it was more of a balanced budget, like state governments do. States aren't a lot. California can't run a deficit. We've got to borrow the money, or we've got to cut the expenses. We can't just print it. We don't make it. But at some point from Nixon onward, when they went to the world and said, we're not going to exchange it for a hunk of gold. We have a bunch of gold sitting in Fort Knox, and it's a, it backs up this much money. But we want more money. Yeah, and it wasn't just our gold. It was gold from other, other countries. Okay. But there's only so much gold in the world, and if you don't have the gold to back it up, you couldn't just go print money. You could for a short exactly. term. But like World War, usually a war, and, and we'd print a bunch, and then you have to somehow make it up. But from Reagan on, really, Reagan was the one that said, we're going to cut taxes and increase spending. That's been the model ever since, particularly for Republicans. And he said, deficits don't matter. Deficits don't matter. And it, going back to war, remember, there's a, there's another, you had another vehicle that you could use to raise a lot of money uh, in, a, in a short amount of time. 
and it were bonds. Yeah, we're right, bonds. Right, we're bonds. Right. Yeah. So promissory again, but, notes. If you do this, we'll give it to you. But you had to hold it for years to get it. Exactly. Back. Right. Exactly. And and it, it, I mean, they actually that that notion is being re- resurrected right now, just based on the I bonds. I'm sure you've heard about the I bonds yeah. circling right now with a higher interest rate. Yeah. And a lot of people are investing in I bonds right now. And again, I don't have anything against them. Uh, it, it, to me, it, it's it's a good investment. But it just goes to show that history may not repeat. It may not repeat itself, but it absolutely rhymes. Yeah, it's the same. It sounds like the same tune. All right, so same cycles. But here's what I still don't understand. So maybe you can address this for all of us. So we've heard, you know, in our own lives, you can't do deficit spending. You can't go borrow money in a credit card. You can't go borrow money. Eventually, you got to pay it back. The party's over, and you got to pay back what you what you spent or what you borrowed. But the federal government, since the '80s, went from a couple of trillion to five trillion and whether it's the Republicans or the Democrats, this has been the shocking news, it goes up dramatically. Uh, the only one who's cut back in that deficit was Bill Clinton under Larry Summers, I think was the Treasury Secretary, and that was a big push and they thought that's why the economy boomed because it was so Paul again, the most important question that you could ask is why? Why? That's what I'm kind of getting at. So why, since what's the what's the federal deficit up to now? Isn't it like thirty trillion dollars? I don't know the exact number, but it was uh, something big like that. I mean, I remember when Obama yeah, was president, and thirty whatever. It yeah. went to ten, and people were lamb. Uh, or no, it went to ten when uh, George Bush was president. It went to twenty when uh, Obama was president, and everybody lambasted him. And then when Trump came in. It ballooned to thirty or whatever here, and it, it, it's going up faster at a faster rate. It took Obama eight years to put ten, ten trillion on. It's going up faster. Well, well, here's, here's here's the here's the the simple answer. As you start printing money into infinity, that's what where it we're does, going. It causes inflation to rise. Right. Once in, and when inflation starts to rise, whatever assets you hold, your holdings, uh, they begin to increase in value. Because now it costs more money just to purchase the same item. Right. So your house now, let's say if your house was, was uh, you know, uh, half a million dollars. But just based on inflation and then the interest rates, because, again, what the government's going to do, the central bank, uh, which is not a part of the government. Yeah, the that's, a whole, bank, that's a whole other discussion which here. Which regulates yeah. the monetary policies. That right. What they're going to do is just to bring that inflation into control, they're going to start increasing the interest rates. So it costs more money to borrow. Right. So now you need more dollars just to do the same thing that you did now versus five years ago at a higher inflation rate. But you and Miles, I'm going to cut to the chase on this one. You and Miles and others like you, like Ron Paul, all believe that all of these made-up currencies, these fiat currencies that aren't backed by anything, but the full faith and credit, the trust in the good guys that run the federal government, to if, if I ever want my dollar back, by God, they're going to redeem it for me here. There's nothing tangible backing it up. You believe, Miles Standish believes, Ron Paul believed, that eventually all of those currencies fail. 100% of the time. It's not a it's not a belief, it's a fact. That's frightening. The <laughs> dollar where's my dollar? I'm gonna go pull out a dollar. Here. Gotta get my dollar bills out here. I'm gonna go get a dollar bill and hold it up. You telling me that this you, you thing You are a dinosaur, huh? I got one. <laughs> yeah, and so the the issue is it has to be backed by something. And so now we're we're in an age of as far as central bank digital currencies, and we don't want to have another fiat 
uh, scenario where it's not backed by anything. So it's going to be backed by something, which is which is gold. So you're telling me this piece of paper that says, in God I trust, that says on God it, we trust. this note is legal tender, 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 I can hand it to you, for all debts, public and private, use it for everything. Backed by the full faith and credit in God and the and the United States of America, you can trust that this dollar is as good as gold, even though it's not backed by gold. You're That's saying belief. you're saying that this is eventually going to be just a worthless piece of paper. That's basically see things happen in, in, in cycles and then, and then they become norms. Yeah. I mean, it used to be a time when we were on the gold the gold standard and then we weren't. And so people, people that when we were on the gold standard, people were used to that. And when we went off the gold standard, people thought that the stock market was going to crash. When in all actuality, uh, it went up the next day. And so now, again, that we're off the gold standard and people understand, you know, some people understand that we're not on it and, you know, they're just trading dollars and stuff. But what happens when that dollar go, that dollar disappears? Because it's not feasible to, to print dollars anymore. So or, many or people in the crypto world said, we're going to replace this piece of paper backed by the federal government and nothing else. You're just trust in the federal government. They, they, they never have to give you silver, gold, or anything for this thing here. It's just they print as many as they want, and you trust that it's always going to be redeemable. The digital people said, baloney, we're going to create a limited number of digital coins. You can't go beyond whatever the issuing number of coins is. It has a limit to how many of these coins will exist, and then people will buy and trade these coins, and the value will go up because there's more people want as more people want them. There's only so many of them, and it'll all be backed by an open source ledger. We all know who's got them, who's trading them, whatever. So, so the issue is, what constitutes that value? What will constitute the value of that digital currency? It has nothing behind it any more than this little piece of paper. Bitcoin does. had nothing behind it, so when it began to crash, there was nothing there to stop it. There's nothing there to stop it because it's based on people's belief and faith in it. Well, and even worse, apparently, if I understand, I've been trying to dive into this. If I understand it, this FTX, one of the bigger exchanges, you went like a bank. You went and you put in real. You put in one of these, and you got out a little digital coin, a little thing a little piece of code or something here an account that says you have something somewhere they weren't putting the money into the exchange when i handed it to them they took a hundred percent of that money and gambled with it and, Paul, and speculated let me, let me with explain it. To, let me explain to people how banking works right now you can take let's say you get you get paid on from your job right and we're talking about the banks that you believe in, that you you put all your trust in, big names, and and you put your money into the bank. It used to be a time when the bank used to have a hold a reserve of that of, of at least maybe ten percent, depending on the amount of money um, that they were required to have a reserve on. Yes, they couldn't. They, they could couldn't risk it all. Five percent couldn't. That's right. Couldn't risk it all. Um, that doesn't apply today. You put $100 in the bank, and the bank can turn around and use that entire $100, and in your account, it's going to show that you have a credit. Now, wait a minute, because I thought that after the Great Recession, they raised the limits. The banks had to keep more in reserve to prevent them from speculatively doing what they did, giving it out in crazy home mortgages and all this other stuff. They were lending, lending, lending to people that didn't even know who they were lending it what to. What I'm here to tell you, Paul, is that number today is zero. 
They don't what? have to maintain a reserve. They don't. So, oh. so my point is. So when, they're no different than the cryptocurrency because they they didn't have a reserve. Hear me out. Hear me out. Because yeah, I need you only got a short amount of time and I need yeah. people to get this. What I'm telling my viewers is that if you're going to purchase gold and silver, the time to do it is now. As a matter of fact, even with your portfolio, you should have many, you know, my opinion, my humble opinion, you should have at least maybe 10 or 20% of your portfolio in, in gold wow. precious metals anyway. That's a lot. Not, not when you look at the totality based on what's real money. See, people think that that dollar that, you hold, that you're holding up yeah. is money. That's it's just not money. money. That is not money. That is currency. I'll put two more zeros and I'll call it a Benjamin here. That is there's a big <laughs> difference between currency and money. And that what you're holding in your hand is currency, precious metals, that gold, that gold coin that you that is money. And the reason you it, because not only does it have is portable, meaning that you can you can put it in your pocket and walk around with it. Uh, it's divisible. You can exchange it like a hundred pennies or uh, dimes, ten dimes, you know, right. twenty nickels, uh, two fifty cent pieces. Uh, it's durable, you know. Doesn't and, wear also, out. Yeah, this wears out over time. I got to go get another also, one. It's it's fungible. What that means is that you can exchange a dollar for an ex, for a dollar. You can change a five dollar bill for another five dollar bill from somebody. Right. It's the same thing with precious metals. But the point is, once it gets to the point where digital currency and this is just my humble opinion but once it gets to the point where digital currency is backed by precious metals guess what's going to happen to the price of those metals they're going to skyrocket why because it has to have value on it because again if you don't have a whole lot of gold and you don't have a whole lot of silver then what do you have to do with the gold and silver that's already that you already have you have to increase the value of it yeah so see if I understand this correctly. The purpose of having gold or silver, whatever else you want to back currencies, diamonds or something, something that there's a limited, we've always thought is precious, We there's a limited amount of it in the earth, and it's a break on how much the government, if they're going to issue one of these, they got to have some gold sitting somewhere to back it up, or silver or something. And when they stop saying, no, no, we're not backing it up a thing, we just print these things and use them as you want. They're good. So Trust the minute us. you started doing that, you began to debase the currency. Yeah. It's, it's no difference from having uh, prior to prior to 1964, uh, the coins were silver. Remember yes. that? Real silver, yeah. Right. But after that, they started debasing it with copper and nickel. Right. That's when it began. And again... Um, because um, they don't want to back it, they want to print as much as they want. I don't Alan want to have Green's, it. Again, I had to report based on the gold exchange that, that <laughs> he had, he had he projected all of this. This is what you need to do. Why would these so, smart people wreck our economy? Why are they going to ruin our currency? Why don't they just back it with something real? What's the what's the game here? Just so they can print as much as they want? It, it goes back to value, Paul. It goes. There's a. There's a. When when I say that that your wealth is being confiscated by holding on to dollars. Yeah. Um, it goes back to the richer getting richer and the poor becoming more become a poor right it's a transfer of this wealth that, dollars shrinking what, right in front of me here it's it's shriveling up so it's a huge transfer of wealth so it's, we're going to get to the point where if you're working in the middle class you can't afford to buy a house and so you're not going to be able to afford to buy a house you're not going to be able to afford to buy a car and again you're going to be okay with that because most people the, the analogy people are going to rent anyway yeah 
Um, they're not going to, they're not going to, I mean, look at all the, now that we've got all these public works where they're putting together uh, public transportation yeah. so that you can ride your bike. You know, you can use public transportation. You won't need, you won't necessarily need your own vehicle. Or Uber. I just do, call it up when they need it. I pay 20 bucks. and Exactly. But if you do need a vehicle, then you just go on, go on your smartphone and order one. And it comes. And take point A to point B. Right. And you're saying this is all not just for my benefit, the average consumer. This is a way to transfer wealth that only the wealthy will own cars, homes, things, and the rest of us will just rent them as needed. So, Paul, that's the why. It's a transfer of wealth. It's Yikes. a transfer of wealth. And the people that, that see this and understand it, will put them. they will position themselves in front of the curve. And the ones that don't see it, will just hap happily continue on doing what they're doing and find themselves in a position where again they don't own anything but it's the norm and, and it's they okay can't close the wealth gap because they don't own anything they don't have any assets that go up in value they don't have gold coins they don't have a house they don't have a business they don't have anything they just live paycheck to paycheck and the money comes in and then i spend it out I lease my car, which is like renting your car I lease my house or my apartment I lease my everything so if you're going to close the wealth gap the best time to do it is now if you couldn't focus on yesterday and yesterday is gone and there's nothing you can do about it you're not in the future what you need the best time to start closing the wealth gap is now and i'm telling people you need to start focusing on putting a portion of your portfolio in my opinion as far as what i do in precious metals and there's a website i want you to go to i want you to go to okay. uh, soundmoney.biz that's b-i-z soundmoney.biz and another term for or the term for sound money all it means is precious metals this isn't sound money that is not money at all got george George washington not money at all paul it's (laughs) currency it's currency we fight for these things we we, if one we we shoot each other we rob each other just to grab these little pieces of paper from each other here if you read that It'll tell you what it is. It's a Federal Reserve note. Federal Reserve note says right at the top. I guess I and never it's, paid it's attention. It's the Federal Reserve Federal. Yeah. Is the Federal Reserve Federal, Paul? I no. don't know what that means. What? This, this, it's not a government entity. Oh. Got the picture of the president on it. First president. <laughs> yeah. It's signed it's, by the Secretary of the Treasury. It's a, Paul, it's a Federal Reserve note. Who printed the money? The federal, the government printed that money, but it's a federal. The Department Reserve. of the Treasury printed it. Yeah, exactly. But it's a Federal Reserve note. I never really looked at it too much here. I just. I mean, hey, Paul, you know what? And nobody does. So again, stop calling that money because it's not money; it's currency. <laughs> oh man! So I should just light it on fire? I should just put it up on? I should just give it away? So I tell you what. Here, here again. Final thoughts. What I want you to do today is I want you to go to SoundMoney.biz. Okay. That's a short video. I want you to just take a look at it. And if you're interested, if you're curious, you know, reach out to me. Go to TyroneFrench.coach. You can shoot me an email. We can talk about this. But what I really like for you to do is go to if you like this content, if we're if you're if we're piquing your interest, I want you to go to closingwealthgap.net and hit that follow button. You know, because we're a community. We and we we love you enough to give you information that the majority of people out there are not gonna give you. Most no. people are not talking about this. No. 
Nobody's talking about this. They're all talking about cryptocurrency. Is we're going to replace this with cryptocurrency? That's the that's the real one here. But it's not backed by anything either. What I for seen. me, what I what what I convinced myself that I would never do when I got into financial services is have to go back to my clients and tell them why they lost all their money. Yeah. Or or a large portion of their their finances. I don't deal in vehicles like that. I just don't. Just don't. A lot of people got that wake-up call. They had billions and billions of dollars in this exchange. A couple others have gone bankrupt now, too, and they ain't ever getting it back because when it comes down to it, they didn't keep it on reserve. They gambled and frittered it away, and it was backed by nothing except your belief that when I give it to them, they'll give, them, they'll give it to me back someday. Well, I tell you what, let's, let's wrap this thing up. Yeah. Again, I want my orders to go to soundmoney.biz. And let's have a discussion. Let's have a conversation about this. Again, wow. because precious metals, uh, I'm telling you, um, it's the foundation of your portfolio, in my opinion. Have precious metals ever crashed? Have they gone from $66,000 to $1,000? Like, or back Precious to metals, if you look at the history of it, they've, they've increased over time. So we don't go through the wild like Bitcoin did. It went up to sixty six thousand dollars per coin, and now it's back history, down to eight or ten or something. Just Google the history of precious metals. They, for a long time, they, they, the an ounce of gold was thirty five dollars. Thirty five dollars an ounce. Yeah. So just look at the history, and look at when it spiked during the Reagan era. It'll blow your mind. All right, that's all I can take today. Thank you for showing us the way. <laughs> You got me thinking here. Gee, I thought it was cryptocurrency. That was the new thing here. And it's just it's just old fashioned gold and silver. It's boring. <laughs> it's, not, it's not sexy, but it'll get the job done. There you go. That's our show for this week. Closing the wealth gap. The one show, the only show that shows you how to take control of your financial future. Right here in North County's only community radio station, OC Talk Radio. Dot net.